family. Father and mother-in-law, yikes. Welcome to the Transformative Duff. Today we are on page 20, Duff Chav. My name is Rabbi Daniel Friedman, and in today's Duff, we learn that family is father and mother-in-law, yippee. It's a great mitzvah, an important mitzvah, to respect your in-laws just as you would respect your own parents. Welcome to the Transformative Duff, and thank you for being my Chavrusa today. I like to begin with a story. In a small shtetl in Poland, two families arranged with a prominent yeshiva to have two bachrim matched as husbands for their daughters. Tragically, however, en route to the shtetl, their wagon is attacked by Cossacks, and one of the men is killed. When the survivor finally arrives in the town, a fight breaks out between the two mothers of the girls, each claiming that the young man is in the intended groom for her daughter. The man himself is flummoxed, and so the case is brought before the local rabbi. The rabbi pours over the pages of the Tanakh, and finally he arrives at the solution. In this case, we must rely on the advice of the wisest of all men, the great King Solomon. Chop the boy in half, he announces. Heaven forbid, responds the first mother. My daughter will give up her claim. Go ahead and chop, the other mother says. The rabbi stands up and points to the second woman. This one is the true mother-in-law. Let's look at today's Gemara. Marukva's brother-in-law died, and he intended to sit Shiva and Shloshim. Rav Huna entered and found him. He said to him, Do you desire to eat the mourner's meal? The sages said that one should observe mourning in honor of his wife only when she is in mourning over the death of his father-in-law or his mother-in-law. As it is taught, one whose father-in-law or mother-in-law died should not ask his wife to apply eyeshadow or rouge. Rather, he should overturn his bed and observe the rites of mourning with her. And similarly, when her father-in-law or mother-in-law dies, she should not apply eyeshadow or rouge. Rather, she should overturn her bed and practice the rites of mourning with him. Let's analyze the Gemara. When a person gets married, he chooses a spouse. But most of the time, along with the spouse, comes an entire package that includes the person's parents and family. When not every new relative is your cup of tea, it's tempting to think, well, I didn't choose to marry the family. I'm not required to have a relationship with them. But that's not Judaism's perspective. The word chatan doesn't just mean groom. It's also the word for son-in-law. The word kala doesn't just mean bride. It's also the word for daughter-in-law. The Gemara teaches that not only must we have a good relationship with our in-laws, but we're actually obligated to honor them. Think about it this way. If, as our Gemara suggests, one is required to honor one's in-laws by mourning for them after their passing, then how far must we go to accord them honor during their lifetimes? Most of us probably haven't seen the practice of sitting shiva for in-laws, which is a minhag that has been lost to many communities. Nevertheless, the obligation to honor your father-in-law and mother-in-law while they are alive, says the Taz, remains in place. The tension that naturally exists between a child-in-law and parent-in-law has given rise to a host of jokes over the centuries. After all, laughter is often the best medicine. Hence the variation on the famous King Solomon story told above. But the tension shouldn't be minimized or made light of. It's real and normal and must be dealt with in a proper and respectful manner. Sometimes it can be challenging to honor one's own parents. It's doubly challenging to honor someone else's parents. But it's a mitzvah and we need to go the extra mile to make it happen. 
Perhaps the greatest embodiment of this mitzvah was Moshe Rabbeinu. He was the redeemer of Israel. He was the lawgiver of Israel. He was the greatest prophet. And yet, he was also a paragon of honor for his father-in-law. Prior to entering Egypt to lead the children of Israel to their freedom, Moshe parts company with his wife Zipporah and their two sons. He sends them back to Midian to her father Yisro's house. After the crossing of the Red Sea, Yisro escorts his daughter and grandsons to join the Israelite nation. Upon seeing his father-in-law, Moshe goes out to greet him and bows down and gives him a kiss. Says the Alka Shimon, Moshe wasn't known to greet people with a kiss, but out of respect for his dear father-in-law, he made an exception. And then, shortly afterwards, when Yisro comes and offers him advice about how to judge and teach the people, he rearranges the entire Torah system of justice to heed Yisro's words. Imagine you're the president, and your father-in-law calls you up to tell you how to do your job. How would you respond? Honestly, I couldn't tell you how I would respond, but I can tell you that Moshe Rabbeinu demonstrated the greatest honor toward his Gentile father-in-law. He listened to what he had to say and acted on it. According to some opinions, that's actually where the word in-law comes from. The first in-law in the Torah was Yisro, who added a section into the law, the section dealing with the various levels of justice. They say that the word family is an abbreviation for father and mother-in-law. Yira'u should be revered. Honoring your in-laws actually consists of two important aspects. On the one hand, you're honoring them, but on the other hand, it's also an opportunity to give honor and bring happiness to your spouse. That should be more than sufficient motivation to do your very best. And at the end of the day, don't you feel lucky to have your spouse? Your spouse is who he or she is because two individuals gave of themselves to create and rear a wonderful individual that you call your wife or husband. May you forever show them respect and may your sons and daughters-in-law ultimately treat you with the same respect, wishing you a transformative day. Thank you for tuning into the Transformative Duff Podcast with Rabbi Daniel Friedman. Whether you've been doing Duff Yomi for years or you're not quite ready to commit but want to be part of the Duff Yomi global movement, there's something in the Transformative Duff for everyone. It's about joining the conversation. It's about talking over the Duff with your family, your friends, your colleagues. It means never being short of a discussion starter or a meaningful Torah. Every page of the Gemara, every word, every letter contains the secrets of the universe to achieving a life of simcha and purpose. Transform your life today. The Transformative Daf is published by Mosaica Press and available at all good Jewish bookstores and online from mosaicapress.com. Thank you, The Transformative Daf.